I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. College football score update, the Big 12 champs, because, you know, here on Cougar Sports Saturday, we're keeping an eye on all things Big 12 now. <laughs> Hashtag back the Big 12, right? <laughs> Kansas yes. Kansas State's down 45-13 to to Alabama, 9.03 left to go. Not a great look for the Big 12 champ, but hey, it's Alabama. Alabama was motivated, and Bryce Young, Will Anderson, you... They they both played and hey there, there's a gap it's fine it, it's not a, I don't want this to become an indictment on oh the Big Twelve is now just scraps right it was a good league this year one of the more balanced leagues in college football high level of play but hey I mean Bama's still Bama and when they want to give it a go and actually be dialed in they they're a dang good football team but shouldn't knock what Kansas State accomplished this year. Kalani Satake, head coach for the Cougars, is eventually looking to have the success that Kansas State has experienced in the Big 12, and he's going to have that tall order beginning next year in 2023. And the first piece to that was assembling his signing day class, and I caught up with him last week discussing signing day, the new additions, and also that future in the Big 12 Conference. Kalani, signing day is always a fun time, early signing period. How would you describe this 2023 recruiting class so far really good class i mean i I think every coach is going to say that about their signing class right now but i promise you there's a lot of great athletes here that are going to be big time players for us and uh the talent is um, is amazing i mean i think when you look at potential of this group um i'm really excited about this group being the first one going to the big 12 
Um, and the players that are going to be, I mean, there's going to be players that are going on missions, but there's going to be players that are playing right away. And I'm excited about both of those guys. So, so, um, and, and we're still adding to it. So this is just the beginning. We're going to be adding to it and it's only going to get sweeter from here on out. Who are, who are the guys that uh, you have maybe the longest history with? Yeah, uh, uh, there's probably a good number of them that I've had that I've known for a long time. Their families. I mean, uh, you can basically assume if they're Polynesian that I've known them and their families before, even the, when the kids were babies, you know. So, uh, but there's a good number of them I've known. Uh, I'm really close with 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 the Asera family. Um, obviously, close with with uh, with Tangilanu, Pututau, uh, Haunga. So all those guys I've known. But I've also known. Um, what Ryder Burton's been capable of doing because he's been at our camp since he was, you know, since he, he first could throw the ball. And so uh, you're looking at all these young men that are here. It's been really cool to see them kind of grow and, and uh, progress into, into a, uh, a varsity playing type of player. And then, um, you know, and then, then being here and being part of our signing class. And then you have guys that are, uh, that are already ready made the guys that are playing, playing right now that are transferring over that I've, I'm really excited about. So, um, but the longest ones, yeah, all the guys that you would assume are Polynesian that I would know that that's probably true. And what's also always exciting about BYU signing day classes, I think sometimes fans can forget, is you get a lot of talented missionaries back too. Saw yeah. Raider Damuni, he's back, and, and I got to imagine that you're pretty excited to see him. We talk about long history with with guys. Raider Damuni is one of those guys too. Exactly. I, I mean, shoot, his dad babysat me back in Hawaii when we were when we were in the same neighborhood. So, um, but um, that's that's I'm trying to show you how old Jack Demuni is. But no, we were really excited about Raider. You remember when we when we signed him? It was just like, oh man, now we've got to wait for a couple of years. I feel the same way about the missionaries that are leaving now. But I'm really excited that that um, that the other side of recruiting is that we get these return missionaries that are coming home. Some that have already been home and have uh, gray shirted that are working out that worked out through the fall are starting in January. Um, it's a really good class when you put it all together. This signing class is really nice, but then you put the complimentary return missionaries that are coming in January. It's going to be really even sweeter. And then you look look at the guys that are joining us even later in spring semester, not after winter semester, but spring. Um, you got guys like John Henry Daly, the other guys that are, that are kind of waiting for their for their uh, their time to get done. Well, I am waiting for their their time to be done missions and for them to come in here and play with us. And so uh, there's a lot of talent that's out there. Just a matter of getting them in here at the right time. And and um, but this is a good good group of new bodies and new names that you haven't heard of before. What are some areas of focus, Kalani, uh, for, for the staff for the you know uh, uh, upcoming? February signing period because this is just phase one of this. Uh, you noted that there's going to be additional guys, maybe some certain positions. Because I know last year in February, cornerback was a pressing need. Is there any particular spots that you want to address position wise in February? Well, I, th- I think when you're looking at it now, we, we feel good about the foundation. Now it's like, how can we even get better? Right. So, how can we? And then and some of that will come through the transfer portal. There's, there's guys that are in the transfer portal that want to be part of BYU. And, and, whether a member of this church or not, um, there's guys that are just like hoping that they can get a chance to be here. And and as we go through the natural attrition, I mean, when people aren't going to be here, we've always had transfers, guys that have moved on and, and gone to um, and left for various reasons. Uh, most of it would be uh, playing time. Right. But um, now there's there's a there's a little bit more involved with NIL. Um, so the portal, but anyone that's looking to leave will enter the portal. And that's just part of the natural attrition that comes from 
your football program. So the other side of that is that we will always add a good good group of portal players as well that will help complement what we have with our talent that are that's going on right now. And there's just I'm just telling you, there's so many guys to choose from. So uh, we're, we're sitting in a really good spot. It's just a matter of who we're picking and 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 if they fit. And most of them know and done their research, and they feel like they're a good fit for this program. So um, we have to look into it and see uh, different spots where we can create more depth and competition. And uh, that that's been really good for us too. As we wrap this up, Kalani, appreciate your time. Uh, you know, when you talk about the transfer portal, what are maybe the the most attractive pieces uh, from the BYU side of things that that makes BYU an attractive spot for? portal guys is it the big 12 affiliation now is it the recent success is it the the networking the business opportunities that come to these guys what's what do you think maybe is the the most attractive thing that BYU offers to these portal uh, prospects I think it's all of that I think all of that has a, a piece of it and then when you put it all together it's it's it's, it's quite impressive you know, and then, and then when you, you, you add the fact that we have an amazing fan base that's really excited about going into this next transition of the Big 12, um, there it's already generated this elect- electricity of, of energy and excitement. And um, with that comes uh, interest. And so when, when, when young men are like, hey, man, I want to see what they're doing there. And they see that we're having a lot of fun. We're playing really good football, and we're pumping out guys who can go to the next level. And and then the guys that aren't are having opportunities to do great things because the because the degree means more. It's a hard school to graduate from, and, and companies want to hire uh, uh, young people that live a disciplined life that won't embarrass their companies. And so we have a good group of young men that are are foregoing their last year of eligibility through COVID that are going to get jobs and just go to work and make good money and, and have a great life. And so. You put all that together, it's it's just a lot of positive things about this place, uh, and and it really sells itself. You know, I I wish I could take the credit as a head coach and be like, yeah, you look what we're doing. But honestly, it's it's the natural progress of things that we're seeing already from uh, the Big Twelve to the fan base to the administration to the so support that we're getting, and uh, I think we're putting a good product on the field. So uh, all those things combined is a key, but. It'll all always come down to the fans. The fans make this place special, and uh, these players see it, recruits see it, and uh, I think they're going to take us to the next level when we get to the Big 12. Well, Kalani, Merry Christmas to you. appreciate you spending some time with me, and uh, uh, you know, happy holidays. Hopefully this can be a little bit of a break for, for you and, and your family. It's well-deserved, and uh, hopefully uh, now that uh, in the future we can talk about that Big 12, I, that was something that stood out in that New Mexico yeah. Bowl. Looking forward to seeing that Big 12 schedule soon, and uh, we'll, we'll talk again down the road. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Happy, happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas. I know... Uh, we get all the all the airtime and everything, but you you do a, a lot of hard work, and then I appreciate the the coverage that you give our fans uh, with our football team. And so uh, I hope you enjoy the time with your family too. And Merry Christmas to you, my friend. That's BYU head coach Kalani Satake. Conversation I had with him on signing day earlier this month. Good stuff from Kalani, and there is a bright future ahead for this BYU football program. A lot of talent coming in to the program as they enter the Big 12 Conference year one. It's hard to believe that Big Big 12 affiliation is already on the horizon for BYU. July 1st, 2023 will be here before we know it, and then kick off against Sam Houston State, and away we go for BYU 
in the Big 12. We're taking a break. On the other side, I'll get to those transfer portal additions that BYU has picked up out of the portal. We'll get you up to speed on that and a whole lot more with Cougar football. You're on Cougar Sports Saturday, powered by KSL Sports. Welcome back in. It's a New Year's Eve edition of Cougar Sports Saturday. Matt Bayamate and Mitch Harper. Hope you're having a wonderful start to your New Year's Eve. And let us be the first to say Happy New Year from Cougar Sports Saturday to you. We wish 2023 is a great year for every one of you. And uh, be safe tonight as well as you're out and about having a good time celebrating what was 2022. Let's get back to the portal. And it pains me to say that because the portal is getting... (laughs) It's just, just when you think it can't get crazier, Mitch, it's just getting crazier. It's just it, it, we thought it would be a big portal year for BYU in terms of guys leaving and guys coming in. I think it's even exceeded our expectations with guys like Gabe Judy Lowley going in late. I, I would have never guessed in a million years a, a guy like Tate Romney would have went into the portal considering the opportunity that was in front of him. He goes to... Arizona State, and, and those are just two in a long list. And I wouldn't have guessed that a former player now would be off to Rocky Top. So it's it, it has been crazy in the portal, Mitch. That player that's off to Rocky Top is Keenan Peely, linebacker. He's going to be playing for the Tennessee Volunteers next year. Very strange uh, to see him uh, at, at Tennessee, but but good luck to him. I mean, that's that's awesome. Isn't I, it easier to stomach that one than if he had gone up, oh, up sure. the road? Well, that's that's always, <laughs> let's face it, let's call it what it is. You know, whenever a guy that's talented goes into the portal, Cougar fans secretly fear that they're going to transfer to Utah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it's, it's uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name, Micah Bernard. Oh yeah, yeah. He, uh, Francis Bernard. Or Francis. Micah thinking, Bernard's a current player. Yeah, Francis Bernard. Yeah, Francis yes. Bernard. I'm sorry. Uh, that was, that that was goes a, up there and then becomes an NFL yeah, player. That's yeah. the fear. Yeah. Is that the potential gets reached at Utah? <laughs> <laughs> so let's call it what it is. And but yeah, you, you see Tennessee, you go, okay, great. It would have been kind of cool to see BYU in Tennessee next year, but then you go, oh, they just. One in the Orange Bowl last night. It's probably good that they're, they're not playing <laughs> Provo. Anyway, uh, but here's the list. Uh, Corbin Green, defensive back. I thought he was going to be a really good one for BYU. He moves on. Clark Barrington, he's off to Baylor. Talon Togiai, a freshman, uh, has not found a landing spot. Nathaniel Gillis, Northern Colorado with Ed Lamb. Keenan Peely to Tennessee. Logan Fano to Utah. That's where, again, it ties in yep. with the well, it goes to the rival. Uh, Tate Romney, Arizona State. Campbell Barrington, Baylor, Jacob Conover, Arizona State, Terrence Fall, wide receiver, Northern Arizona, Dallin Holker, tight end, Colorado State, and then Gabe Judy Lally to be determined. Now, the guys that BYU is getting into the program that's going to be part of BYU football in 2023 and beyond. We've talked about Keaton Slovis from Pitt. They've also got commitments from Jackson Cravens, a defensive tackle from Boise State. He started a lot of games two years ago, he's dealt with some injuries. Uh, he should be some, a guy that could provide I, some competitive depth for you. He's my favorite incomer so far. I just feel like this dude could be a revelation for mm. what BYU needs. they got to replace uh, – I mean, I can't believe I'm already forgetting players from 2022. Is that kind of year where you just wanted to move Kaden on? Kaden Haas? To, no, not Kaden Haas. He comes back. They, it's uh, – Lorenzo Fawatea. Fawatea. Yeah. Zoe Fawatea. If he can come in and, and plug that spot and, and be healthy and be disruptive – that's awesome. Remember, he's a guy who once upon a time committed to Utah, was there for a moment. Yes. Holly recruited a guy out of the state from Utah County. 
love it if he finished off his career on a high note with BYU. Wyatt Daw, defensive lineman from Southern Utah, if the name sounds familiar. Yes, younger brother to Parker <laughs> Daw and Zach Daw, good bloodlines there in the Daw family. You look at Wyatt Daw, he's coming in as a walk-on. He started all 12 games for Southern Utah along the defensive tackle spot, so he could be another guy like Cravens that comes in and contends for time. Isaiah Bagna, an edge rusher, a DN, linebacker from Boise State. That's kind of a byproduct of Kelly Papinga coming down from Boise to BYU. Boise, for those of you who don't remember, very good defense a year ago. Anyone you're getting from that defense, you should be ecstatic about. I agree. Aiden Robbins, running back from UNLV. Will Farron, a kicker from Boise State. Kind of an under-the-radar get, uh, adding a kicker because Oldroyd's gone. Uh, they clearly didn't trust Justin Smith or Cash Peterman. So, kicker is a important spot. So, you might be looking at Will Farron as a starting kicker next really, year. Really, and he was very, very good for Boise State. I think that is a it's a very underrated get, but it's a crucial one to have someone come in that you're not concerned about. Because typically in college football, Mitch, You've got a guy that freshman, sophomore year, it's dicey, and then it pays off on the back end where they're consistent. And even then it doesn't because last night Clemson, their kicker, uh, B.T. Potter, was one of the best kickers in the history of the ACC. Couldn't make a field goal in the Orange Bowl, so you never know. But uh, Will Farron, he's a proven guy, so you immediately you feel like, hey, we can uh, kick field goals from the 40-yard range and be comfortable with it. Last night, BYU got a commitment from an offensive lineman, a position of need, and and, you know, last night there was, you know, the tragic news, of course, of Sione Vicoso. Even before Vicoso's passing, BYU's offensive line, um, again, not to make it about football, but uh, they, then, it was a pressing need uh, yeah. because you've lost the Barrington brothers. You're going to lose Blake Freeland to the NFL. And How come he hasn't announced yet? I think it's just kind of like the Senior Bowl announced it and away you go. I mean, <laughs> you know, he, he said to Jared Hall on Instagram, he said, see you soon. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, okay, so we're not, not going to get an announcement. Yeah, he's just uh, he's, he's he's all business, way. and I respect that. Uh, Waylon Lapawahu, offensive lineman from Utah State, a freshman this past year, started all 13 games for the Aggies at guard. You're talking about a young guy, uh, about 19 years old, coming to BYU, could be a starter along the O-line in year one of the Big 12. Pretty good talent coming out of Bingham High School, good football player. And then they got a Juco transfer in Jaden Dunlap, cornerback from Cerritos. Might be one of the best gets for BYU in this signing class. Uh, Was a lockdown corner at Cerritos. I'm kind of expecting big things from Dunlap. Because of the loss to Judy Lally, his signing takes on a whole different look and feel. I, I expect BYU to be... Very active with DBs this month and probably in spring. They will be getting some more defensive backs because they need them. I mean, they are very thin at that spot. There are some some gaps in the holes on this roster, and I was kind of forecasting scholarship distribution. It's pretty much right at hovering around 85. And at, after spring ball, there's going to be more attrition potentially. So... BYU's got some room to work with to get more bodies if they need to. So it'll be interesting to see who else they continue to add. Also of note, with this 2023 offseason for BYU football, players announcing, you know, were they coming back? Are they moving on? Guys that were in that that senior COVID year limbo, Gunnar Romney, he's one of the guys that is moving on. His football career potentially comes to a close. Sad. I was really hoping that he would give it a go one more time. I don't blame him one bit because you and I have talked to him plenty of times these past two years. He wanted to leave a year ago, yep. but injuries stopped that. And then he came back last year 
with it, you know, with this season being his last one, and it ends up being his last one. It's just, it's just, it's, it's a bummer because we all saw the talent. The talent was there, and the way that the NFL is today, a healthy Gunnar Romney at BYU who had put forth his best work, I believe, would have had a chance to make an NFL team. Maybe he doesn't get picked, but I think would have been an, uh, a free agent out of the draft that if you get the right spot, you can connect. We've seen it time and time again with BYU players, but that's not going to be the story for Gunnar Romney, and it's a, it's a real bummer because he's a BYU guy, and it just it did not end the way that he wanted, and we wanted his fans, and it's a bummer, but we wish him the best. We spoke to him after day one of, of fall camp, and he was so excited for the season, healthier than I've ever been. Next practice, lacerated kidney. Done. Over. Done. I, I, and I, I, I still I want to know what the heck happened after the Notre Dame game. Yeah. It was no big deal. The reporting was incorrect. And then we never heard from him again. And he was out of sight, out of mind. Could be an issue with clearance, getting cleared by doctors. Uh, you know, it's a lot of factors, it feels like. And it's got to be frustration there for Gunner because he seemed like a guy that wanted to get out there and play. Him and Cosper, both of those guys, just never were able to reach their potential because of injuries, and you hate to see that. Jake Oldray moving on. Guys that are coming back that had you know senior blankets could have moved on. Mason Wake, fullback, he's got to get back to the old form. Uh, you know, he needs to be a key piece to Does he need to, to get BYU. back to the old form, or does the O need to yeah. put the fullback back in? I agree with that. Uh, linebacker Max Tooley, he announced he's coming back. He, he went through a shoulder surgery recently. He's back. That's huge for BYU's defense. Connor Pay, offensive lineman. He's going to be your starting center and then wide receiver Chase Roberts. He was an underclassman, but you just never know. With the portal and all the back-channel recruiting that goes on, you go, a talented guy like Roberts, could he get an NIL deal or something? I, I don't know, but uh, he announced he's coming back for year one of the Big 12 as well. Let's take the break here. Uh, news, traffic, and weather on the other side, and then let's talk a little hoops. We haven't gotten to that, but they're 1-0 and in the WCC. They got a game tonight. We'll discuss that next. Cougar Sports Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. Every Saturday, all year long. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans. For Cougar fans. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Maimonte. On your legacy home of BYU Sports. KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back in Cougar Sports Saturday. It's a game day for BYU basketball. The Cougs will be in action tonight against the Portland Pilots. Kind of a rare New Year's Eve holiday night game. A 7 p.m. tip. Uh, you can hear it on here on KSL News Radio with pregame from the Marriott Center tipping off. At 6 o'clock, maybe the WCC was like, you know what, BYU, you're leaving. We're giving you a late-night New Year's Eve tip. All the other WCC games are at 3 or 5 p.m. today. BYU, the team in the Mountain Time Zone, you'll get the 7 p.m. tip. That better not be the case. (laughs) BYU was clear with the WCC all along. We want to be here. However, we want to go to a power conference. So it yeah. it should not have come as a surprise. If anything, Gonzaga should be the team with the bad times. They're the ones flirting with the Big 12. <laughs> well said, but uh, no Gonzaga, no WCC probably. <laughs> so you're going to give in to them still no matter what. BYU is 11-5 and now on the season. And, Matt, I swear 
that is a I, I did not think I would be saying that uh, when they were five and five. They've reeled off six straight wins. Some of the wins include Utah, Creighton, uh, and then they opened up WCC play on Thursday night with a twenty point win over Pacific. How are you feeling about this BYU team heading into tonight's WCC home opener against Portland? Feeling a lot better about them. I, I still don't think the ceiling is high enough to beat Gonzaga. It's probably not high enough to beat St. Mary's. But look, you got to give them credit because it, at five and five, it really felt like, man, this season could go south. And this season, look, BYU basketball, Coach Pope has said this so many times to us. It's about being ranked, it's about playing in the tournament. Those are the goals. I don't think they're going to meet those goals. So this season won't reach the heights of previous teams that Coach Pope has had at BYU. However, this team, with so many developmental prospects, for them to maybe win, because they're 1-0, they should be able to beat Portland at home, and they're still team, they could could maybe get to 20 wins. And and that would probably be good enough to get you to the NIT, especially if you can squeak out one against a St. Mary's or Gonzaga. That's pretty dang impressive. And I I think where, where it all really changed for me, is when Rudy Williams went to the bench. When he went to the bench and became the sixth man, it opened up a whole new world of possibilities for this BU basketball team because it just seems like he is more free. I, I, don't, I don't know how you feel about it, but just watching him play, he's comfortable. He's happy. He's having a good time. He can score a bunch of points like he did against Utah or you know, in their win against Pacific, only eight points, five assists, though. So he just feels more engaged, and to have a bench unit that can score now, also coming back to that win against Pacific a few nights ago, they have over 30 points off the bench. That's almost half of what they scored in the win with 69. So I just feel like when Rudy went to the bench and he was a he was a team player about it, because I could have went south. I'm getting benched for a true freshman straight off a yep. mission. Come on, give me a break. He handled it like a man. He's been a better player because of it. This team is better because of it. And it's starting to feel like they have some juice, some energy. I still feel like they're limited, but uh, you really got to love how they've responded these past six games. Well said. I mean, I think that this team is still incredibly flawed. I mean, they <laughs> they they beat Weber State last week before Christmas, and that was against the Weber State team it sub two hundred, and it was it was down to the horn. So, but the thing is, is that you wanted to see this year the flashes. Against you know a Utah, and I don't I don't know if Utah is that great, but they got to win Utah last night against um, against Cal or earlier this week. Uh, Utah that win was great for BYU, huge, and that win over Creighton was a good one. You just wanted those sort of moments because those are things you can build on heading into the Big Twelve Conference. And I'm not I'm not putting really any expectations on this season. I think once they got to five and five, it was feeling like. Man, if they get to the CBI, this might that might be an accomplishment for this team. They might have to pay the one hundred thousand bucks to play in the CBI. For goodness' sake, that's how low it's gotten for this BYU team. But uh, they've bounced back and they've shown some fight. And I do believe too, what's promising and gives me hope. Maybe the the biggest thing with this team that goes beyond just basketball is they feel like they got good chemistry together. And I feel like that's notable, Matt, because you want to have. You don't want to have a mass exodus this offseason in the portal. No. You do not want to lose Anybody. any guys. Like this past offseason, it was like, okay, you know, you're going to lose some guys. You need to make some changes to overhaul things getting ready for the Big 12. 
understandable. This group, you want to keep the court. Dallin Hall, uh, Richie Saunders, Fusini Traore, Noah Waterman. You want to keep these guys feeling like, hey, we're building something. We can do something special. And if they don't maybe reach those heights, but you want that feeling and belief in this program. Last year, there was no belief, and it went sideways, and there was chemistry issues, and there was problems in the locker room. And that's it, it carried over onto the court. And I think that is also promising, too, what's happening with this group, is that they feel like they got good chemistry, yeah. and you want to keep these core pieces, because I do believe now with an NIL collective in place, Mark Pope and crew are going to get some big hitters in that portal. I mean, he even said to me a few weeks back that, you know, we don't want to sign anyone in November because we can't get younger. We got to get older. We got to get some grad transfers for year one of the Big 12. So if you can pair up a Foose with a true five in the post because the big man still matters in college basketball, and then you pair it up with Noah Waterman and, and all these pieces that are, that are developing and growing, Mark Pope has stayed confident throughout this season despite some of the lows that they will get better. And I'm seeing signs of that, and that gives me promise for this team going forward. One thing that I, I really – tip my cap to this team for because it's it's very easy to get behind a team even a flawed team that competes that puts forth the effort like in that utah game they had to rebound the ball to win they're like the jazz they're like the jazz they are a lot like the jazz low expectations i mean they're just they're trying hard yeah you can get around that they're trying hard they're diving on the floor they're rebounding they rebounded well against pacific that's why they they were able to beat to beat utah they're they're doing the dirty things that help you win games because if they weren't busting their butts and crashing the glass they'd be sub 500. They've won a lot of games with poor offensive performances because they hit the glass and they do the the gritty things. That's what coach Pope loved about that win against Utah is he's like the thing that he said in the post game press conference you were in New Mexico but I'm I'm sure you heard this was the thing he was most pleased about in that win against Utah was that they hit the glass because glass is effort, and the effort is there. And that's what makes this this team fun to root for. Uh, I will say I wish there was more consistency from the three-point line. Uh, when they shoot it well, like they did against Pacific, 11 to 25, you know, when they're not like in the 20s, low 20%, they can beat some teams. And if, if they were to hit a 40 or 50% game, maybe they could shock somebody. But uh, they're just not consistent enough there. And, and the point you make about the future with Foose. This year has proven to me the dude is playing out of position. No he has not had a great year, and I don't think it's his fault. He's just he's not a five. And and I don't know if they need to experiment with him and a tiki. Maybe they do. Spacing might get a little hard with a tiki and Foose, but Foose has got to be moved to the four. Like ASAP. Speak you know, you mentioned the portal, get a big man. That is the biggest priority. Because if you want to unlock the potential of Foose, because Foose was great down the stretch against Weber State, you got to get him in his correct position. He's just out of position right now, and I think that's why you see some of the games like you did against Pacific where you're like, where's Foose? Where's the double-doubles? Where's the 2010s? Well, he's not playing in position, and I think that it's it's hurting his ability to be effective. i got to say, too, when you talk about effectiveness, Spencer Johnson is blowing everyone's minds of how great he's played this year. I mean, yep. He comes back on Thursday night from an injury after five weeks off. He hadn't played since the Thanksgiving game against Butler in, in, in Landis. He comes back and felt, felt like he never missed a beat. I comes know. off the bench, playing with a huge knee brace, a Don Joy knee brace on his left knee, and he's playing great. I mean, 
Spencer Johnson, seeing that sort of growth from him, I would have never expected this sort of play from, from Spencer Johnson in his BYU career. I just I just didn't. I, I thought he'd be a nice role guy. He's one of the top guys in this team, yeah. and he's the heart and soul of this team. And then, oh, by the way, you know, earlier this week at practice, I'm watching Trevin Nels going through through some five on five. He was part of the scout team. He was with the uh, you know the the guys that you don't ever see play. He had a red jersey on, no contact. But he's getting closer, and you get a guy like Trevanell who can improve the three-point shooting. I mean, at a minimum, Trevanell. I don't know what else he could maybe provide because he's still coming from, back from that shoulder. He could hit a three still. He can still knock that thing down. And if he could provide that for this team, suddenly you're feeling like, you know, hey, this is the WCC. Maybe it's a year where, you know, Gonzaga is still Gonzaga. They're a top-10 team, but they could be had. I mean, they're not. There's no. there's no Chet this year. There's no... Uh, you know, top. There's no Jalen Suggs on this year's Gonzaga team, but I mean, I'm not getting uh, carried away. I still understand the limitations of this team, but I just like the feel suddenly of this group. There's going to be some challenges. They got to clean up their act. Still on turnovers. What yeah. they did against Pacific, 21 turnovers. That will not get it done against anyone. If they do that tonight against Portland, 21 turnovers, they could lose. Yeah. So you got to clean that up. But I just I feel like I like what's brewing from a chemistry standpoint because. You want this core to stay intact for next year because you do not want a mass exodus with the portal and say, oh, restart it again for another year one. You can't have that. So I like what's brewing with this team. I do too. And it's going to be fascinating to see what happens tonight. And then going forward, they have – look, they should win tonight. Yep. They could lose any game. because <laughs> They could. Because of the way that they shoot the ball. But they should win tonight. They should beat LMU next Thursday – and it's a road trip in Southern California. They should beat San Diego. And then January 12th, students are back in session. It should be a lively crowd. And if they're on a nine-game winning streak when with Gonzaga coming to town, I'm not going to predict a win, but it, it could be fun. Yeah, and next week will be tough, though, because LMU and San Diego are on the road. LMU's a top 100 Ken Palm team. They just smoked Portland by 20. This Portland team, too, beat... Villanova earlier in the uh, earlier in the year they took a number one North Carolina to the horn in the PK eighty and almost beat Michigan State. It's so, LMU at the end of the day. That's that's where I'm, I'm. I know, but I can't let myself say it's LMU. But we've seen it so many times in the WCC. Can we just agree on this too, Matt? That <laughs> we're not going to miss the WCC. It served no. BYU well. It was a landing spot with Independence, but after this year, no one's going to miss it no. because. And look, the the we're talking about the difficulties of the WCC, the difficulties of the Big Twelve hoops. My goodness, everyone's in the top fifty in the net rankings in that league. But still, there will not there will you win any game in the Big Twelve, it will be celebrated, and it's like that is an accomplishment. Where you go on the road next week to LMU and, and San Diego, I, I think there'll be great wins, and this BYU team is flawed, so any win should be celebrated. But still, to the you know casual fan, you go, well, you beat LMU. I mean, it's. Oh, okay. I know. You're going to sell me even though, Ken Palm ratings? Even though you just hit me with the Ken Palm <laughs> win here, win. I'm like most college basketball yeah. fans. It's LMU. I don't, I don't, I I don't, I agree. I don't care if they're ranked. I agree. You should beat LMU. <laughs> I, I'm with you. Like, whereas next year you go, you beat Iowa State. Oh, it's a good win. Yep. Well, they're, they're a six win team. No, it's a good win. It's Iowa State. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it's, but it, that is a thing, though. Yep. And, and that that's going to be a nice change of pace. For BYU, how many of those wins will they actually get next year? Eh, so enjoy the wins when you can now, because yeah. they might be few and far between 
in the future. We're taking our last time, or taking another time out, excuse me. We're only an hour number two here. Uh, we're we're going to get to some New Year's resolutions for BYU Athletics here on the other side. It's Cougar Sports Saturday, powered by KSL Sports. Welcome back in to Cougar Sports Saturday here on KSL News Radio. And hope all of you are having a fantastic New Year's Eve. KSL News Time, 1.54 p.m. We're getting ready to watch Michigan and TCU in the college football playoff semifinals. We'll keep checking in on this game here uh, throughout the day. See Reese Davis, David Pollock, Desmond Howard. They're all getting ready to share their picks. I will say the college football playoff, low... uh, Media exposure building up. There's not much buildup. When you think about Super Bowl, two weeks, ramp up. There's been a lot of weeks leading up to this game, but it just kind of sometimes gets busy in the sh- in the holiday season. It, I, I've never liked the New Year's Eve date Me neither. playoff. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. I wish it was on the first. One thing with the first, though, is that it creates an opportunity for a new year, which leads to New Year's resolutions. And for BYU Athletics, Matt, as they transition into the Big 12 Conference in 2023, what are your New Year's resolutions for the Cougars? Football? Any sport. You take it any direction. I'll, okay, I'll follow you. I got you. one for football and one for hoops. Okay. I'm going to start with football. We'll end with hoops. For football, it's, it's very simple. 2023 is going to be a challenge. Uh, if they get bowl eligibility, we should treat it like the Cotton Bowl year in 96. Like it's and especially with the turnover we've seen, we expected turnover, but not to the extent of losing Tate Romney. I mean, there were guys that have left that were puzzling, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of change and coaching staff change in there as well. Uh, quarterback change, guys going to the league, they get to bowl eligibility. That's going to be very impressive. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be looking at this football year a lot like I'm looking at the, this current hoops year. Like I'm not gonna put a lot of expectation on there. I want to see some great individual performances. I want to see growth in key areas. And the biggest glaring need to me for this team, and it's not just it's not offense. It's not de- just the overall biggest need for me is they gotta pressure the quarterback. Like there's a reason defensive ends in the NFL get paid a lot of money. Like if you can pressure the quarterback. You can change football games. Think about the Super Bowl with the Bucks and the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, who's probably going to be the NFL MVP, Mitch, was pressured all game long, and Tom Brady won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. If they don't get that pressure on the Chiefs, the Chiefs are back-to-back Super Bowl champions. That's what the defensive pressure can do. So my resolution is, can Jay Hill get this team to be a top 50 team in sacks? I'm not asking for top 10. I'm not asking for top 20. But can we not be sub 100? (laughs) So top 50 team in sacks, that's a resolution. And if they're able to do that, then I think you're looking at an improved defensive team that has them with a chance to get to a bowl. I want to see BYU football be relentless in everything. I feel like BYU has been a passive program. And still, despite maybe some passive attributes, they've put together 18 wins over the last two years. I mean, actually... Uh, you go 29 wins over the last three years. It's almost 10 wins per season. But there's still been some flaws in areas where you have to improve, especially from recruiting. BYU has a lot to offer, and I want BYU to be able to showcase that at a higher level than ever before in the Big 12. And I think it starts with a mindset of being just relentless. And relentless has always been a word used by Mark Pope. 
I believe in that guy as far as relentless recruiting. That guy won't sleep. I mean, he'll go around the clock till he finds the necessary talent to get into the Big 12. I want, though, for BYU basketball resolution, develop a superstar from within. I want to see Dallin Hall become a star. I want Dallin Hall and Fusimi Traore to become all Big 12 talents. That's what I want to see and develop from within. You don't always have to. you you got to get the portal. I get that. But you don't have to find the stars in that portal. I want yeah. these guys, homegrown guys, to turn into I superstars. I love that. And for me, for hoops, it's another top 50 thing. Can they get back to top 50 three-point shooting? Yeah. They have to. Like Utah State's one of the best three-point shooting teams in college basketball. Why can they do it and BYU can't? So that's what I want to see from BYU in their first year in the Big 12 is better three-point shooting. And I think, honestly, another resolution for just BYU athletics as a whole, just be competitive. Yep. I don't want to see BYU go into these sports and, and all the Big 12 across the board and just get you know, wrecked and be a bottom dweller and think, right. oh, does it raise questions about what they've done the last 20, 30 years? I want to see BYU be competitive. Yeah, there'll be other, there'll be more losses than usual, but I want them to be competitive. And I think if they can do that, that could serve very well for BYU in the future after year one coming up in 2023. Happy New Year to all of you. It's been a great day uh, here on Cougar Sports Saturday. We'll have some interviews coming up next. Kalani Satake, Mark Pope, Rudy Williams, and Jackson Robinson. Jay Hill. Or Jay Hill, excuse me. Uh, we'll have a lot of interviews coming up in hour number three. It's Cougar Sports Saturday, powered by kslsports.com. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor... You'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.